Good evening, everyone. Let's get the show on the road. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Jen. <laughs> hey, no, how you doing? Okay, I like how we 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 like we laughed quietly, and then I like <laughs> I gave us permission to start laughing loudly as I uh, I was making funny gestures to you as uh, as the music was playing. Uh, hey, everyone, it's uh, it's Wednesday night, and we're all crossed out. It's eight thirty, of course. Uh, uh, what a week Jen and I are having. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's been a kind of a, a weird couple of days for both of us, but we're here, and that's yes. what matters. <laughs> yes, it's just, uh, you know, life is just like throwing a couple of last hurdles at us right before Labor Day weekend, so, you know, we just got to get over that one last, uh, you know, uh, trial <laughs> before we get kind of chilled for a little bit. It's so funny. Usually we set up the call-in room, usually between like 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And today it was like 1 and we're like, oh shit, we didn't set up the call-in room. Totally <laughs> frazzled. Totally. I, uh, I re-aggravated like an old injury of mine. So I've been like crabby and in pain all week. Just uh, all kinds of things that I don't share i don't know it's 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 funny like i know that um because i'm so like t- twitter like i'm so on twitter all the time there's this sort of perception that my life is very like uh exposed but there's like whole areas of my life that i just never tweet about ever for that exact reason because i'm sort of visible to the people in my life and so there are things that i just won't discuss uh and uh those all of those areas <laughs> <laughs> have been uh, have been uh, have been occupying uh, my uh, my time this week. So you know you know how it is. <laughs> it is funny when like you are extremely slash terminally online and people think that oh I know everything about this person. It's like no, I mean and there's stuff that like in my life I don't discuss. Like obviously when I was married, I never discussed my marriage or my personal life. And there were people that like literally didn't even know I was married or who I was married to. And they're like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah, I just, I was just not something that I discussed publicly until my divorce. And even then I didn't really discuss that publicly other than to say, Hey, I'm getting divorced. So yeah. Yeah. And the varying degrees of like parasocial relationships, what they call parasocial relationships with just like, the relate the the quote unquote relationships that develop between like content creators and their fans. Not that I'm putting our uh, you, you and I in that kind of the tier of people who have quote unquote fans, but it does encompass to some extent like on your online friends or uh, I need I don't know how to describe it, but you know what I mean. Like if you're like a big account on Instagram, on Twitter, or whatever, and even like people who are you're friendly with and you communicate with a lot. But are just like people you just know through that social network and are maybe like small accounts who just you happen to know from way back. There is what they call sort of a parasocial aspect to that. And it's um, it is weird because you do get an um, uh, not an accurate 
uh, a picture of people sometimes. I got to say, DC to me was very eye an eye opening in that sense. A lot of uh, a lot of big DC accounts on Twitter, you know, in the sphere that I hang out with. A lot of big visible people that I was like, I assumed that I kind of understood because we knew each other online and getting to know a lot of them in person. I discovered that that wasn't true at all. Not necessarily in like a underhanded way. I'm just saying like even on the contrary, some people who like seem very abrasive and very like uh, unapproachable online are actually like super sweet and nice in person. So, you know, you never know. Yeah, I hear that about our our favorite Washington Post employee. <laughs> did you see? By the way, did you see? There's an art. There's a whole article about her in the Spectator. Oh um, God, why? It's a hit, it's a hit piece. Oh it, well, I mean. that's, that's essentially what it is. Um, and you're right, but you're right. You're right. And I I have friends in. Uh, we share friends like we have friends in common. And you're right. That is the that is the uh, that is the impression that uh, people who are friendly with her uh, relay. I'm, I'm sure you know. Like I said, I know. I'm not going to name any names here, but I've I'm, I'm, I've met some people who are like who have <laughs> justifiably horrible reputations, but are actually like really nice in, in person. So it you know it is what it is. And I guess we'll end like this little weird diversion from what we were going to talk about by me saying that. I may have to leave this call-in room early. I don't know. Again, mm-hmm. personal things happening in the background. Correct. But we'll, we'll I might have to entertain you. Oh, no. As though it's hard for me to find someone to blab about for a little if Jen has to bow out. I don't know. You think you can handle it solo? Oh, we're going to turn it. We're going to turn it totally, totally niche. I'll, I'll bring Neil up here. We'll have a whole discussion about, um, I don't know video games or something. Well, see, <laughs> Neil's ready to go. Like he's scared. But I was like, <laughs> he's smashing that thumbs up button. As I'm saying this, I can, <laughs> I can see, I see thumbs up being smashed. I'm assuming it's him. <laughs> um, like he's, even, he's even showered and brushed his teeth for this. Like he's ready. He's ready. Yeah, for exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I think we can, uh, do you want to start with house of the dragon or do you want to end with house of the dragon? Um, we can start there and then work our way to other stuff. Because if we don't cover the other stuff, we can always cover it on Sunday. That's good. I, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, so, House of the Dragon, episode two. Because, you know, um, Rings of Power uh, is premiering this Friday. Friday. Yeah, the... Amazon, Lord of the Rings, most expensive show ever. Wait, is it uh, the first or the second that it's premiering? It is the second. Okay, that is Friday. Yes, I, I think thought so. it was the first for a second. I'm like, wait, no, that's tomorrow. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the second could, could be. I don't know, whatever. Um, but uh, and so we're gonna have to, you know, and people are like super primed to hate it. Uh, Rings of Power. I'm still very. I'm gonna be very. I'm blank slate guy. I'm gonna very. I'm gonna judge uh, entirely based on the show itself. But House of the Dragon. I'm actually enjoying quite a bit um, because it's it, it, everything in it still makes sense. You know, like Game of Thrones, first four seasons or so of Game of Thrones, everything kind of made sense. The characters were consistent and well-written and stuff, and then it all fell apart and everyone became an idiot 
and everyone did that. It's a, that's a, a common thing, by the way. I'm going to let you talk in a second because I know I'm babbling. But uh, uh, it's a common thing where, like, the showrunners, like, if the original, like, Dexter, once the original showrunner, show, showrunners of Dexter left after season four, all of a sudden Dexter became a total idiot and started making the kind of mistakes that he had never made ever, which made him such a, like, a successful serial killer. And uh, the same thing happened in Game of Thrones, where, like, the second they ran out of, like, source material to adapt, all the characters got dumb, you know? And uh, we're still obviously only two episodes in, but I still like the fact that every scene, every, ca- you know, every character action thus far, like, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and like you said, obviously with those first four seasons of Game of Thrones, you had source material to go off of, and so that's why they kind of became, like, this iconic cultural phenomenon. Like, the first season is almost one-to-one with the first book. I mean, obviously they skip over stuff because it's a huge book. Like, But the, the basic plot line, like, it adheres to the book, like, spot on. And then, obviously, the, like, the second and third seasons adhere to the other books. And so, but then eventually you get to where Winds of Winter would be, and it's not theirs. And now we got to make some stuff up. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I mean, it, it, it even, they even had to start cutting out substantial things uh, in, in, because Storm of Swords is a gigantic book. I think it's like 1,500 pages long or something like that. Yeah, it's a doorstop. It's ridiculous. And uh, and they already – there was one main aspect of that in The Feast for Crows that they cut out entirely. I don't want to say what it is. Again, spoilers. Uh, but then by the time you reach like the end of um, Feast, uh, uh, by, 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 the, by the end of the books, like if you compare like the end of the books where, where the show veered off of – like, uh, there's so much that, like, like I feel like people who watch the show are going to pick up, like, the new book when it comes out. When it comes out. <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> if it comes out. And we'll be like, wait, what? Well, how is all of this? How is all of this still like this? Tyrion is here. Stannis is here. Yeah. All kinds of stuff like that. Um the beauty about House of uh, House of the Dragon, though, is that it is based on a story that is fully complete. But that book is written like uh, historian style. It's not a narrative novel where the characters say things to each other. It's like uh, tell a telling of that history, and so you have the sequence of events fully uh, outlined with all the political machinations and all of what happens. But then you just bring in creative people to like. Build character drama, write good dialogue, tweak the story a little bit because Alicent and Rhaenyra in the book aren't friends. There, There's an age difference between them, but making them the same age and friends is A, really good character drama, and B, uh, the book that this is based on is written as though like it's in-world where some maester like years after this like interviews people. Some of them were there and some weren't there, and so it's semi-unreliable narrator and so maybe they were friends and like the per- the person who wrote the- that history didn't know right or something like that and uh but like i said the thing i like about it thus far in these first two episodes is that all of the things that happen uh, make a lot of sense and all of the I-, I noticed especially like all of the very kind of graphic things that are meant to like uh shock you have a very specific reason like in the second episode there was the 
the scene with the maggots to me was like mm-hmm. the most interesting part where uh, King Viserys, yeah, has a festering wound on his uh, finger where he got cut from the Iron Throne, which again, visual symbolism, because this is a show about like the burdens of power. And so the idea that like someone who can't handle the burden of power is getting cut by the throne and those wounds aren't healing, that's a very, you know, both like literal and metaphorical uh, uh, a thing. And so he needs this wound treated. So he puts it in like he puts his hand in like a like a tub of maggots yeah. so that Which they is- eat away the necrotic flesh. As as they did back then. They, they do that today too, by the way, uh, to burn victims and stuff because – I'll tell you why. Because uh, uh, the maggots will only eat the dead of flesh and so they're better than any kind of surgeon at taking only that out and leaving any, everything else in. And so it is actually <laughs> – they actually, actually do use this, yes. For like, uh, not for, for stuff like get <laughs> and I got to give full credit. I don't know how much of that was like trickery, but if, if that actor had to like deliver his lines with his hand in a thing of maggots, I got to give him lots of, lots of credit. That's very skeevy. I know Jen, I think Jen has a thing with hands, with yeah, her hands, hands being stuck. stuck in a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and things. Yes. That is very, uh, uh, I know. Right. Like skeevy, yeah. like the sticking your hand in a thing. But the beauty of that scene is that, like, again, they're talking about the maggots eating his, like, rotting flesh. But at the same time, like, his advisors are all picking at his flesh metaphorically, trying to, like, set him up with a new wife. And it's the hand of the king whose daughter it is that he's trying to, like, push onto the king. And the Grand Maester, who's clearly kind of, like, in league with him because he's a high tower. And the Citadel is an old town, which is a high tower city. So it's sort of implied that he's he has everybody kind of working for him, and so I love that. I love that that idea that it's like a he's both literally and metaphorically having his like skin, his flesh like eaten eaten by maggots. And I kind of like how they're handling the series in this because I mean this is not a spoiler alert, I don't think, but there is a six month time jump. Between the end of episode one and the beginning of episode two. Yeah, like six so, months or something like that, I think. Yeah, so it's been six months since Emma died in childbirth. And so, obviously, he is still the king of the Seven Kingdoms. And so people are pushing him to remarry because he does not have a male heir. And so he's very torn between doing his duty because he, he understands that like, this is part of my job as King. I need to remarry. I need to produce an heir, but it's also very clear that he, he loved Emma. And so there's that, like that dichotomy of him understanding, like, I understand this is what I'm supposed to do, but also like, I literally just lost my wife and son six months ago. And I'm really not in the headspace to be, pursuing any of this yeah which is all. dumb which again is dumb because he, he's it, it there is a thread here's a thing that i like i like that the idea is he's not a good king he's a person who is not fit to be king but they don't do it so cartoonishly that he's a bumbling idiot You're meant to understand because what happens at the end of the episode is after everyone around him is like, you should totally marry. What's her name? Leah. Uh, I just, I remember her. 
extremely underage girl. Yes, although funny enough, yeah. uh, in the book, his wife who dies in childbirth, he also married her when she was 12. And Boy, it's implied I mean, that, yeah, yes, that yeah. it's implied that her pregnancy problems are related to the fact that he got her pregnant way, way too young. Uh, but um, whatever her name is, Laris, is it Laris? And yeah, there's I, like a whole discussion in the show where he's like, he, like, Viserys is walking with her and it's clear that she's... Uh, oh, I mean, uh, Lena. That is it. Yeah. And it's, it's literally, she looks at him and she's like, my parents told me I wouldn't have to bed you until I'm 14. And I'm like, ooh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny that you, it's funny that you say that because, like, I know because there was a lot of cringing over that and I... I was totally apathetic to that because that's so normal for like that setting. Also, people who only watch the Game of Thrones TV show and don't know that all of the Stark kids were substantially aged up and it doesn't know that in Game of Thrones that shit already also happened. You watched it already happened, except whoever was supposed to be 12 in it is like 16 in the show. You know what I mean? Like like it's... but there is that startling aspect of the fact that they're really not aging up in this show. And like this, this girl, she looks not well. well, well yes. But well, it's really also under, yeah. well, it's understood that it was going to be a purely political marriage anyway. But the thing is mm-hmm. like the, the beauty, the, the thing that most shows, again, they're symbolically showing that he's getting cut by the throne, right? Also, um, Mad King Ares in the book, it says he got cut so much by the Iron Throne that he was called King Scab. It was a nickname that people called him behind his back. But it was, again, it was the symbolism was that he was so unfit that he was so cut by it that he was called King Scab. Now, um, uh, you know, all of his advisors say you should marry Lena Valerian, right? You need her. You have this trouble in the steps stones that's affecting Corlys Valerian. He wants you to go do something you don't want to go to war with the free cities. And so and he wants you to marry his daughter. That's a good way to placate her. It's, you know, there's nothing bad with it. It's all good. And that's the moment he chooses to do what he wants to because he's king. He feels like all he ever does is what he's told to do. He put Damon where where he was because his advisors told him to do it. And he's, you know, he's going to marry this girl because his advisors, and he's the one time he's like, you know what? I'm going to assert my dominance and I'm going to do what I want because I'm the king. He does the absolute wrong, dumb thing, right? And I love, I think that's tremendous because again, he sort of comes across as a sympathetic character, but he's, he's terrible. Like he's being terrible, (laughs) Yeah, it's like a terrible move for a king, but again, it's that juxtaposition of him knowing what he has to do as king, and also the the portrayal of him as just being a very human man who is still obviously bothered by the death of his wife and his son, and I'm not going to spoil it by telling everybody who he chooses to take as his fiance, but it's somebody that he... He develops like in like an emotional relationship with like they have some sort of at least friendly Mm -hmm. type relationship with each other. And so he's like, I'm marrying her. And another another show don't tell thing is there is no there was no scene where uh, where Alicent 
runs off and screams into the abyss. I don't want to do that. All it does is like there's this motif where she's uh, she's like a nail. She bites her nails. She like ruins her nails and her cuticles. I sympathize yeah. as a compulsive nail biter. Yeah. Uh, and so whenever they want you to show you that she's stressed and she feels that stress and she's not doing something that she wants to, it cuts to a shot of her fingers. She's fidgeting with her fingers and they're all bloody and kind of chewed up. And yeah, there's a scene where she's talking to her father and she's sitting there and she's like smiling and talking to him. And then it cuts to her hands under the table and she's picking hard at her cuticles and they're all bloody. And that's it. They're, they don't need to t- – there doesn't need to be a scene where she – oh, she has to tell her servant girl because otherwise the audience won't understand what's going on. It's very it, it's very good doing that shit. Like, oh, another thing. Damon is impotent. Nobody ever says this. It's implied. I don't think – it's not been said yet. I might be wrong. But it's heavily no, implied that not. Damon is impotent. Because he's unable – in episode one, he's unable to, to, uh, to like, to come. Well, you I, mean, I, I chalked that one up due to stress. But, I mean, whatever. But then he tells everybody that she's pregnant and she isn't. She's like, you told them that we were pregnant? It's six months later. Why isn't she pregnant? I think uh, he's impotent. That's my theory. But again, it's all just impl- – like there is no – and so if it comes out later where he, you know, where he says or whatever, I, I'll feel – I won't feel like I'm super genius. I'll feel like the show did a good job kind of throwing it out there subtly, visually. Nobody ever said anything. It was just how he acted there in the, that moment where he kind of couldn't – I think he – I think he's uh, obsessed with Rhaenyra. Targaryens, incest. She even said that uh, that chick who he's now going to marry in the first episode, she said, do you want me to get you a girl with silver hair? I can get – oh, she said something like, I can get a girl with silver hair again. As though that's the only way he can get off if the chick mm-hmm. has like white hair like a Targaryen. And so I think that's it. I think he can't. He's like so obsessed with her that he cannot get his like his like woman pregnant. And, and I I pointed that out when we were talking about the first episode that there's definitely like some kind of vibe going on there between Damon and Rhaenyra, where or at least on his end, I don't know how she particularly feels about it, but yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a there, there's something there, and I I. I don't think this is going to be a spoiler, but um, the woman that Damon decided that. So anyway, that, again, trying to do this without doing spoilers um, for reasons. Obviously, if you've seen the first episode, um, Damon decides, OK, I'm leaving. I'm going back to Dragonstone. I'm taking my dragon. And no, I'm but that's not. No, no, but that's not it. But, he said, you got to go back to Runestone, the Vale, because yeah. he married a woman from the Vale. So he said, you go back to Runestone. Then in episode two, turns out he didn't do that. Yeah, he, he went, went to, to Dragonstone. Dragonstone instead, yes. And proclaimed himself the Lord of Dragonstone, which yes. would be technically incorrect because that would be Viserys. Because no, it would be uh, Rhaenyra, actually. The, the, well, yeah. The, yeah, it belongs to the crown prince of, uh, of, of, uh, of Westeros. Like the king is – King's Landing is the seat of the king. And the crown prince or the heir seat sits in Dragonstone. 
Uh, kind of like uh, when the Baratheons ruled King's Landing, the Crown Prince got Storm's End, which is the Baratheon stronghold. Whatever. Westerosi Law 101. Yeah. <laughs> civics. <laughs> Property rights Wester- 101. Yes, Westerosi <laughs> Civics class. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, but, um, uh, and um, so, but, and I, yeah, go ahead. But a point I was going to make as far as the whole pregnancy thing is that the woman that Damon has absconded the Dragonstone with was, I guess, not is, but was a prostitute. And so obviously I'm sure if she doesn't want to be pregnant, she's got plenty of ways to um, take care of that situation. And <laughs> she doesn't particularly seem like, because uh, again, like, there, there's a whole situation that takes place. Um, she seemed upset. I, I, That's another clue. She seemed upset that he had told them that she was pregnant. And the offense she took at that might made me think like, oh, they've been trying and she's frustrated that they can't. And yet he's out there telling them not only is she pregnant, but that he's going to put a dragon egg in the in the crib of the whatever. See that I was going to try to avoid that part because oh no whatever again we're because we slowly rolled towards it and if people are still here and don't want to like not listen I think I think it's whatever never mind we can actually move on we're like we're almost we're almost at at the halfway we can talk about this for a couple more minutes and then we can move on to not just like because if we don't want to just say everything (laughs) because really the the big thing in this episode was uh, like I said. Damon went and he took a dragon's egg, which is traditional for Targaryens to put in the cribs of their 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 highborn children. Yeah, shall we put it that way. I guess it's because they kind of imprint they kind of imprint on the the, the baby or something like that. Yeah, and so it, it's a very funny scene, and I I thought this was actually extremely interesting because. Rhaenyra is still being cupbearer. She's still in the small council meetings. And so she hears like, okay, Damon has stolen a dragon egg. And she's like, which egg did he take? And they tell her, she's like, oh, the one I chose for my baby brother. And you can tell like that set some shit off because well, she decided to go like, okay, no, I'm going to take care of this. And when she showed up, he looked like he was ready to like to 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 throw yeah, down. Yeah, he was gonna pop off. I do like that. Hightower said she's the she's the fucking steel. I didn't expect <laughs> that. He's an interesting character because he's clearly kind of a shit, but like an interest, kind of an interesting shit. Um, yeah, he was ready to do violence, but the second she showed up, he just gave it to her. I think he was. I think he was trying to antagonize her. I think again. I think there's yeah. a weird sexual. I think there's a weird sexual. He's obs- there. He, he has some obsession. Again, he stole her castle. Yeah, like right? this is about her. Like it's this, not yes. about the series. It's about yes. her. I do. I. I. That's. I. But. But. Nobody has said that yet. Again, that's what I like about the show. We're talking about it in these terms. And nobody's like fed it to us on a silver platter yet. But speaking of House of the Dragon, by the way, because we are, uh, news just dropped right before our call-in show that the uh, showrunner of uh, uh, House of the Dragon, Miguel Sapochnik, is uh, leaving uh, and not going to be doing season two. Uh, he has a co-showrunner whose name is – I'll tell you in one second. 
Like Ryan something? Uh, yes, Ryan Condal. Yeah. Uh, and so he's going to be the showrunner. So it's not it's not one of those like, uh-oh, totally new personnel not, coming yeah. in. And I do think that Sapochnik might, might have been in that scenario where he initially was only signed for one season, you know, and they said like, yeah, if it gets, if it hits big and it, you know, makes another season, I'm not going to continue that. So it, 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 there, it, it's, there's, you know, none of this indicates that there has been some kind of problem. It just got renewed very quickly because yeah. that first episode was such a huge hit that they were it, immediately like, we're, we're renewing. It's so bizarre to me that they didn't do, like, a multi-season order for it off the rip because, I mean, you had to know, like, it, it's going to be successful. You would have at least ordered two seasons. War, war, it's, we're talking about Warner Brothers, though. We're talking about the we're talking about the verse. We're talking about – that's – but I, and I, I do think that might be that. I do think that might be that. And also, you know what? If uh, season eight of Game of Thrones had been a big hit, sure, sure. Order a fucking five season yeah. Game of Thrones spinoff, but no, no, no. I think they were. Wor- I think they were worried. I think there was this like sense of like people. Are, do people actually like? Are people totally turned off? But no, people want. People were starved. On the contrary, people were starved for like good Game of Thrones content. It wasn't that they were sick of Game of Thrones. It wasn't like The Walking Dead. Yeah. No. They were like, give us, people wanted them to redo season eight. Like, that's how much more they wanted. They were like, just read, just do, could you do that again with like a different ending, please? I'll watch eight more episodes. Fuck yeah. Like, just do it differently. Right. And so, so yes, you're you're right that it's there. Yes, there was a, a, some predictability about the, the, the fact that it would be popular. We need to see if it has longevity, but I mean, if it maintains this quality, I, like I like I said, I'm very happy. I'm not. I'm like I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's got very. I mean, just from a purely production value, it's very high production value. Everything looks very nice. It's very slick. The VFX with the dragons is very very nice. It looks very good, very seamless. Mm-hmm. They um, did something so- cool, by the way, on that scene. They used mm-hmm. uh, the a, a thing like the volume. They used like a video wall when they filmed that scene, but they put. Uh, smoke machines in there to kind of make the light hazy and look less fake and it looks really cool you can't tell that it's that that's what they did very creative use of it do you you want time to be mad about the intro i was gonna say i was gonna say (laughs) there's two things i have a small complaint and i have a big complaint okay uh um the uh, the small complaint is that one thing we still haven't seen really is the size of Westeros. Like I'm still missing a little bit of like a streets full of cheering people scene. To, because this is – the Empire at this point is supposed to be like at a, at a higher – well, not really because they still don't have Dor- – Dorne is still independent. So it's still not like the peak of the Targaryens. But in a sense, it's supposed to be like fancier – than when we pick up in Game of Thrones, like at a slightly like h- higher, loftier mm-hmm. phase. And I just want to see some of that. But yeah, the fucking theme music. God <laughs> damn it. And I'm not blaming, uh, uh, what's his name? Our uh, Jafad, Jawad, the, the composer. Because that's definitely, he didn't, 
It's not like he went to HBO and said, like, no, I don't want to make a new theme for House of the Dragon. But, like, come on, man. This thing needs its new identity. I said, do what Star Trek did. Because what Star Trek did was all of the Star Trek themes are kind of riffs on a similar idea. They all sound like a Star Trek theme, right? Do something like that. Do something like I such a weird example. I don't know if we here will like get it. But Metallica's Unforgiven 2, you know, they did like and then they did Unforgiven 3, but forget about that for a second. They have a song called Unforgiven, and then they have a song called Unforgiven 2. <clears throat> and they both start kind of the same way, and then they go in totally different directions, but kind of are evocative of each other. Do that. Or even do a different, re-record that theme with like different instruments. But like they just use, they just dra- they just took the MP3 and put it in the like in the uh, in the premiere timeline for this edit window. And I was like, that's I hate that. Another example I heard was like Law and Order, where like you know all the different Law and Orders. It's basically the same theme music, but it's a little tweaked for like SBU or criminal unit or just the general law yeah, sure, order sure i think it could have been even a little a little more differenter in the first episode there was a piece of music that had the game of thrones thing come in and out of it do, 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 mm-hmm. do, 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 but then it did other things so, you know what i wonder if that was the piece of music he originally wrote to be the theme and they were like, no, we want to keep the original theme, but we'll take this and we'll use it in an episode. Because, because I, uh, speaking as like a music school nerd, <laughs> that, you know, like if you, or, or, you know, go listen to any interview that like John Williams gave on how he does like the, the light motifs and how to write thematic music. That's, mm-hmm. that's like the th- like that's the automatic thing your brain goes to. Okay, it's a spin-off, it's a thing. So what you do is like you bring in that kind of Westeros motif. If you assume that like da 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 yeah. is like the Westeros flourish. Because you know, also in the intro music there's a map. It's the introduction to the land of Westeros, right? Yeah. And so having and that I, is a common thing, yeah. sure. And I am extremely not mad at the graphics they did for the intro. I love how it's it's basically like the Game of Thrones intro where they're introducing you to basically like the map of Westeros. But instead of it being kind of like, you know, how it was in Game of Thrones where it's kind of like cut in, cut out, sort of almost like a drone footage of the Seven Kingdoms. This is just like a stream of blood running through the entirety of Westeros and just like touching everything in the Seven Kingdoms, but it is. Uh, but it's actually it's actually the the family tree. Yeah, uh, there's an, an, an analysis yeah. video that's very interesting that that somebody did where uh, when somebody dies, their little thing kind of floods with blood, and then like the tendrils spread out to their children, and then down. It's this whole. Thing. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like it. You liked it clearly. I just wish, again, I just wish that I was listening to something a little more of its own. I just feel like it needs its own identity. I, 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 I don't know that tying it like the, you know, the Hobbit didn't have its Lord of the. It isn't even like a. It isn't even like a prequel, really. 
Because it it's is not. But I mean, it, that's, technically, slotting it into the universe. Is no, no, I know. Well, because you know, it's like prey. Is Prey a Predator prequel because it's a movie that takes place in the Predator universe before Predator? If it's none of the same characters, the movie doesn't have an influence on the other movie. You know what I mean? It's like it's just a different point in the timeline. Is like is a movie about is 1917 a prequel to Saving Private Ryan because one of them's about World War 1 and the other one's about World War 2? <laughs> I mean, like, Game of Thrones was so Targaryen-heavy that, like, the Targaryen family was... Well, I mean, the Targaryen family was such a huge part of it that it's like, you can't really say that House of the Dragon is not connected to to Game of Thrones. Because, no, I like, know, I know, but if you would... If the show were about, like, Robert's Rebellion, because the whole thing is, like, uh, Mad King Ares, uh, like thir- I think it's, like, 30 years before, something like that. 30 years before Game of Thrones. Mad... Or not 30 years, sorry. It's it's less. There's... Never mind. It's yeah, a little, maybe, yeah. maybe 15? Yeah, maybe something like that. Something like that. Because they're all still adults, whatever, yeah. But, like, shortly before the Game of Thrones uh, show begins... Uh, Mad King Ares is ousted in a rebellion called Robert's Rebellion. What happens is Jamie Lannister actually ends up killing him, which is why he's called the Kingslayer, and that's why he's hated. That's where all of his like frustration comes from. But um, if it was a show about that, fine. Call it, a, you know, in the same way that Rogue One is like a prequel to A New Hope in the <laughs> sense that like it literally connects to it on the tail end exactly, right? But uh, I... Like I said, I just it just felt weird to me. It felt like they were in it felt like a studio decision from execs who were like insecure and were like please type please type back in. Please mention a song of ice and fire in the first episode. Please mention the white walkers and the show the dagger and put the t- we need it to be more game of thrones. And that to me is like a ins- insulting to the audience. I think uh, I think uh, the fact that Game of Thrones was popular at all and how widely popular it was shows that broad audiences are actually pretty damn uh, capable of following a complicated high fantasy show without being without things being shoved directly into their faces. And, and before we move on from the topic, I would just like to say I would love a Game of Thrones spinoff that handles the like. Maybe the five-ish years before Robert's Rebellion, because then you would also get into like the Lannister backstory with the, with Jamie and Cersei, and how mm-hmm. all that shit happened, and how Jamie came to join the King's Guard, and yeah, that 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 would be a whole story right there too, because that also involves the Targaryens and what the life plan for Cersei was supposed to be and didn't happen because other things happened. Yeah. People, uh, people think that uh, in in people's minds, like Tyrion is the character that the show ruined the most. But I think, I think Jamie might be even more ruined than Tyrion. Uh, Yeah. Both the Jamie of the book and the Jamie of the show, because he has that scene with Brienne in the baths where he's all injured. And he has this whole speech about, which is just like the, the full like it goes right to the heart of Jamie's entire character where he's like I did I saved everyone I did yeah. the thing nobody had balls to do and the thing I get in return is like I everybody hates me forever fuck all of you yeah like because fuck. He, 
because he he's too too honor bound to actually say exactly what happened in that moment. He's, he's yes. like he's not going to admit why he did that. Yes, well, but and also there is a fucked up notion of honor where they're like, yes, he we all think King Ares should have been killed, but not by somebody on the King's Guard because that's that's yeah. too that's too much. That's going too far. Right. Yeah. And it's just like because you took an oath. And so and he says like, yeah, but like what? Does I'm supposed to sit there as he cooks people alive in their armor, which he did, which yeah. is a thing he enjoyed doing like that's Yeah. Anyway, um, there is a lot of and they're working. They're thinking about it now that this is this popular. You're going to see because they want to do they want to do uh, uh, Aegon's Conquest, which is the initial dragon war. Mm-hmm. They want to do the Doom of Valyria. They want to do Nymeria and the ships and Dorne, all that shit. They want to do all kinds of crap. Um, because there is all kinds of mysteries. There's all kinds of mysteries in Westeros that the books don't really ever touch on that can be interesting. There's sort of the hint that, like, there's a lot of ancient things that were, like, greater and bigger and that this is actually, like, a world in decline, which I kind of enjoy that idea. Uh, anyway, do you want to talk about world, worldly things? You want to talk about worldly things? I, and I mean, we should really just stop pretending that we're ever going to like get far past like the first topic that we ever discussed on this show. But I guess, well, I this ending this is going to be part of pop culture, I think, which is that. So how this came to be, the DOJ released a 32 page memo slash addendum slash I'm not sure what you would want to call it legally basically giving more details as to why they issued the warrant on Mar-a-Lago. And it's 32 pages. It's not that long. You can go read it. It's fairly interesting. But the thing that everybody's latched onto is there was one picture that was included in the filing. And it's of the floor of Mar-a-Lago, specifically Trump's office. Yes. And there's horrid, horrid uh, carpet. I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't gold. I, I mean, the man has the tackiest fucking taste on the planet. He really, he really does. It's the fucking tackiest shit. He's so, like, he has the taste of like an Ita- a Long Island Italian mobster mixed with like a Russian oligarch. <laughs> It's all tacky gold, overly overwrought. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, the picture. But so yeah, so it's this picture of what the FBI found in his office, which I think that's important. Like this was in his office. It was in, I guess, a box, and it was documents that were both. Secret and top secret. And you can tell by, like, the color designations. There's a whole thing there. And so it's a picture from when they serve the warrants. And when you go in and you serve a warrant and you're looking for specific things, you find them. You go in, you tag them, you take pictures. That's part of what you do. And in this particular picture, you can see, like, the 2A tag, which relates to, like, the two-way part of the affidavit of like, okay, this is the things that we found that relate to this part of the war. And the little scale, there's a little thing that they yeah, use. I don't know what it's called. To, it's a core. To scale. Yeah, it's like a right angle thing that you put that just shows you the scale of something. It's like a little rule, you know, like a thing 
Like the kind of thing that's in the corner of a map that tells you how much of the map is a mile, and that thing is like divided into inches, just so like by the size of the picture you get scale, a sense of scale. But like those things prove that this is it's like one of those pictures that they take where they fan out all the shit they find that like a drug in a drug bust. Yeah. You know? Kind of. I mean it's not it wasn't as um it wasn't as uh like organized. To me, what it looked like is that they took out a box, right? They took out stuff that said like top secret. They kind of spread out the top secrets and then left it there and then put the stuff in and took a picture. It was like, we took it out a little bit so that you see what we're taking. That's exhibit A2. And then they all kind of put it in like an evidence bag or whatever and take it. Like that's, I think that's when I saw that image, that was like what my brain thought. Yeah, like it, it's like you're trying to fit as much stuff in the picture as possible because, I mean, obviously, there's only so many things you can fit in the picture. And the picture that was released to the public is extremely, extremely redacted. Like, you cannot see any of the actual documents. Like, you can see the ones that actually have, like, the secret and toxic secret covers. You can see the covers. But the ones that don't are obviously extremely redacted. We that's that's not for us. Yes, but of course, of course, the 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 fight became about everybody assuming that that's how the materials were found, like strewn about his floor. Which you would have to be some kind of idiot to think that, because it's it's obviously a photo taken by the FBI to catalog evidence. They're not saying that. Oh, we walked into Trump's office in Mar-a-Lago. It was just like on just the floor. All over the floor. It was just like, spread out all over the floor. Just got shit everywhere, you know. Why? Why did people fucking do that? Because then, and but, 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 but. Uh, it was it the it was it the G was it the Senate Republicans on the GOP Senate Republican Committee some and, GOP yeah one of their official accounts yes they kind of started it by quote tweeting the thing and just like laughing about the Time Magazine because there's a box in the corner of this image that has a bunch of like framed uh, covers of Time Magazine. And so, again, they, like, pulled a bunch of boxes out of the safe that they opened and, like, took papers out of one and opened them up and just took a picture. So, like, the other boxes that they pulled out were there. But they had to, like – and their tweet is also dumb because it's, like, you know, like, there's the thing in the middle of the frame. They're, like, ha-ha, look at that small thing in the corner. Like, talk about ignoring the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. And, I mean, first of all – why would anybody be surprised that Trump would have, like, clipped out and framed the time covers from his presidency? Because the one that you can actually see in the photo is one of the ones from his presidency. And it's the one where, like, he's sitting in the Oval Office, like, illustrated, obviously. He's sitting in the Oval Office and, like, everybody's looking at him through the window. And it's like, of course, like, he's known for doing this. He's known for clipping and framing magazine covers that he's on or he's a major part of like this is not anything new for trump and and nobody by the way it's not just trump my my like even my grandfather who in his day had uh some like cartoon like malicious cartoons and and covers made of him had them all framed in his office yeah he loved that shit 
Yeah, especially if your business is because because my grandfather wasn't politician. Isn't he's not he's. Yeah, he's no longer with us. He's yeah, no, no, he is like he is with us, and hopefully for many a year to come. But he's just not. He's just you know he's just like not active anymore. But he was you know like pushing people's buttons in his like polemic arguments was like the thing he lived for. And so if people got if some communist publication got mad at something that he wrote, you know, some like pro-Soviet publication Mm -hmm. did a like unflattering cartoon of his because he was mad that he was anti-soviet he was like fuck yeah i'm gonna frame that and put it in my office like i'm not ashamed of of being bashed for being anti-soviet and so i'm sure trump was like fuck yeah let them hate right yeah i'm sorry i just confused your grandfather with your grandmother but oh yes (laughs) but um but um um so but again like i said it, it instead of once again instead of focusing on like the the, the the like the thing that's worth focusing on it turned into like oh he doesn't have respect for classified materials cuz he just has them thrown on the floor yeah, they were under I mean, a pile of dirty laundry <laughs> they're just like fuck it i just put them here but i mean that it also obscures the bigger issue which is that some of those documents were actually found in his desk, which pretty much blows apart the whole argument that, well, at least one of the arguments that was made, which was that, oh, he didn't pack any of these boxes. He didn't know what was in them. And they just all just got sent to Mar-a-Lago. I'm like, all right, how this shit end up in his desk then? Because there ain't shit on my desk, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, now, now there's, there's ultimately, here's the thing. The argument shouldn't be – it's sort of an irrelevancy to argue about whether or not, you know, because uh, it's a sole argument about he – oh, well, he can unclassify these things just by virtue of him wanting them to be unclassified. He doesn't even have to tell people. Ultimately, it's just going to come down to uh, how – like um, how bad what he had was and whether or not there was any kind of indication that he was going to do anything with it. If the answer is no, they're probably not going to prosecute him. There's all there's examples from the past. Sandy Berger, who was a Clinton administration guy, he pled guilty. He took he went and he took stuff out of the National Archives deliberately to hide shit. And he was prosecuted and he pled guilty to a misdemeanor. And what he did was like really serious. Hillary mm-hmm. skirted entirely on a thing. And so it's not about – it's again, it's not about whether or not he did it. It's whether or not the thing that he did is arguably bad enough to do something about it. And I just – I don't – I mean I don't think so. I, I just – I mean if it is, you know, by all means, like let them – you know, by all means let them do it. And here's my thing. I don't think the DOJ goes down this road unless they've got the goods on them. And it, it's kind of funny how this came to be because it almost feels like this filing from the DOJ is in direct response to everybody screaming at them like, oh, you need to justify why you did this. We want to see proof. We want to know why you did this. And they're like, all right, here you go. You want it? You got it. Yes. You asked uh, for it. Oh, it was the G. It was the judicial. It was the GOP judiciary uh, account. Ooh, let's. Yeah. Uh, we have a we have we have a caller on the line. We can take uh, we can take a caller as we're <laughs> rolling towards the end of the show. Uh, sure. I always say this kind of slowly because I know people want to take time to like unmute themselves and stuff. So we're gonna go to T. 
Hey T, how's it going? Hey, I'm trying to unmute. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, I just kind of had a crazy idea that I hadn't really heard anyone suggest this yet. Maybe they have, but um, do you guys think it's possible that this is some kind of like 4D chess move by Trump? Like maybe baiting them into raiding him to rile up his base? Uh, I mean, so I think that's with him, there's always a possibility. See, I was convinced. I got to go find my tweets where I was saying this. I was initially convinced that his entire plan was to run in 2016, lose, and then spend the next like 15 years making a career off of like complaining that the election was stolen from him. And all of the stuff that he's done after that kind of makes me think that I was right and that he didn't plan on winning one and then like kind of readjusted his plan. But I, the thing that makes me think you might be right, at least somewhat, is that there was this whole story where they said we only did this after we went back and forth with them and we they you know and they did we subpoena whatever there was like some kind of process where they went through and they just kind of got blown off and so they were like screw it we're going to go raid them and that might be a thing that you're right where he say he says to his lawyers like just don't give it to them what are they going to do raid me cool I'll fucking well, what's the worst thing that can happen if they raid yeah. me, I'm like, I'll that's I'll f- go fundraise off of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels like he should have known this was coming because uh, they had this back and forth, like you're saying. So, and the the other points that you brought up in the I think the last episode that uh, there, if you want just the information, there's other ways to sneak that out rather than having a physical copy of that says top secret on the top. You know, so it just seems kind of I, I don't really understand obviously his thought process, but it just seems like a really stupid thing to do if, if you were actually trying to do something nefarious. See, here's my thing. I can absolutely see a way that he would think that he would never have been touched on this because no other president has, and that's pretty much been a precedent that you don't pursue anything with former presidents. So I can absolutely see this being a thing where he's like, they're not going to touch me. Like, they don't like that that's just a thing that doesn't happen in this country like the the DOJ does not pursue anything with former presidents so yeah i can absolutely see a way that he was like fuck it i'm going to take what i want and they're not going to do anything about it and now they are and so yeah. it's like oh the, the thing that's going to fuel you know like the wars and the conspiracies is that the thing we're probably never going to know is what the actual material was. And I think that on some level that might influence to a great extent what they're going to do. Because if it's just a bunch of random shit, you know, like if they discover that it was like one document from here, one document from there, I don't know, almost like he took it like his mementos. Sure, that's still bad. But if there's no rhyme or reason and if the things aren't like super, super crucial, if there's some kind of pattern to what it is that he took, if there's some kind of like uh, demonstrable reason for him to do it to cover his own ass for some reason, but we're not going to know. Like we're going to know if they prosecute, but if they don't prosecute, we'll never know whether that was a factor in it or not. And so people are going to forever be fighting about this. Well, we'll know when we're like eighty-five. They finally declassified the documents. Yeah, exactly. we'll know what it was. <laughs> Welcome back to episode four hundred. 
<laughs> we're gonna be uh, on like four, episode four yeah. thousand. Four thousand. I was. I know four hundred was a bad. Was a way too. I way low balled it. <laughs> the podcast are trash. <laughs> what? I can't remember the intro anymore. <laughs> I haven't had my daily dose of bugs yet. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think we're gonna go to the next caller. Thank you very much, uh, TP. Yes. Uh, and we're gonna go to JD. Everybody, we're going from initials to initials. Uh, almost. There you, there you go. go. I know. I know what happened when you hit the mute button. It takes like a second to unmute, so you tend to hit it twice and then it remutes. I know. I do that too. Well, now there is some like new notification that popped up that said you are in the queue, which I haven't oh. seen before. Oh, interesting. Okay. How's it okay. going? It's going well. How about you guys? All right. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a weird week. It's but been a weird we're, week. We're plowing through it. <laughs> exactly. well, 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 don't worry, Jen. Hump day is over. The weekend is on the horizon. Then you've got a new episode of House of the Dragon to watch, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it brings the power, there. all that, all that yeah. stuff. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't revel in the excitement for House of the Dragon like you guys. I've never seen Game of Thrones. I have watched a couple of the battle scenes on YouTube, but it's not really my cup of tea for the most part, mostly due to all of the nudity and whatnot. But anyways, that aside, I still enjoyed your conversation for most of the episode discussing the show. Hmm. I really, and Neon, I've told you this before, and Jen, like, you guys need to do a lot more movie and TV show reviews because you guys are freaking hilarious. Thank you. Oh, I know you. we need to. Uh, we're there's there's all kinds of uh, there's all we're 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 like we have things in the hopper that are in development, and we're we're constantly like uh, uh, thinking about uh, other things that we can do. There's there's uh, there's obstacles to this currently that are going to be resolved soon. Never mind. I'm just being vague and whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but like you're yes, yeah. We 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 want to. Uh, we might do it even like in addition to separately too, so that we can devote time to discuss things specifically. I don't know. We're yes, but yes, the answer is yes. We were gonna well, talk. Yeah, go ahead. Well, well, somebody who shall we name nameless suggested a dating show that we should watch and critique, and I I, I think that she suggested this because she actually secretly hates us. But... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, very, that's very funny. Exactly. Just to, tor just to torture us. Um, but, uh, and, and you know what? We were gonna, like, we both watched uh, 3,000 Years of Longing in the, in, with the intent of maybe talking about it on the pod, but, like, it was just kind of man. We didn't have a lot to say about it, and so there wasn't. So we were just like, eh, whatever. I I might have to press you into watching Bodies, Bodies, Bodies now because Suderman when liked it, it. Yeah, when it comes, oh, Suderman liked it. When it comes out, when it comes out on the thing, I was gonna watch Nope. Have you seen Nope? You can like rent it now. No, I saw you can rent it. You didn't do it the other night. No, I was gonna, but then I didn't. I I. Mm -hmm. I was yeah, whatever. Lazy. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Things happen. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so yeah, like uh, like uh, anticipate maybe we really should uh, do uh, because of a Labor Day do the pod on Monday. We're actually doing pod prep on the air, which is funny because then we can talk about both yeah. Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. We can do a compare and contrast episode sure. of Ambitious Crossover Attempt, where lots of uh, swords and shields cross over into dragons cross over into each other. It's like Marvel versus DC. We're going to have like Westeros versus Middle Earth. <laughs> well, I mean, that, I mean, you say that in jest, but I mean, that it really is like the matchup right now is like, especially with Rings of Power, like, because it's got such a massive, massive, massive budget behind it. And it is coming out at the same time as House of the Dragon. And so everybody's like, okay, how are these two going to compare? Because like the, the budget for Rings of Power blows away the budget for House of the Dragon, which is insane to think about, given that House of the Dragon is an HBO joint. That like like rings of power. I I think they put it at what a billion dollars, seven hundred and fifty million, something like that. Yeah, Ooh. like they threw yeah they threw like an obscene. And there's a lot of talk about like how they're this is the this is their like do or die thing. Look, it's gonna do big numbers. That's un, oh, un- yeah. especially like the initially. It's just a matter of what the buzz is going to be now. Initially, you know, I see a lot of like the initial buzz is amazing, but mm-hmm. with all due respect to like. Uh, people like Collider and Entertainment Weekly or whatever access journalism. When when what you when when you have like a like when the article yeah. headline is like early reviews are raving and it's all like uh, what are those names like Scott Weintraub at Collider, all kinds of people like that at EW or or Entertainment Tonight. That that's access journalism, and so I don't like I don't trust that. Yeah, like they like they can't shit all over something and still get early access to stuff. Yes, but there's a lot of hate that I don't buy into as well on Twitter. Like people are like harping on like little clips from the trailers and little things and like <laughs> looking for reasons to like be very very mad about stuff. And I'm I'm reserving judgment. I even don't even care if if they if they change lots of stuff. Just make it good. I don't like. Like, you know, like I said, the HBO Watchmen show, which is like woke and it's about racism and it's about white people bad. It's but it's amazing. It's just so good. I don't care that it's about racism. Like the original Watchmen is a, is like woke, you know, but it's because it's kind of detached from where when we when we're living. I think that's the thing. Often when people say like, oh, the politics of this are obnoxious. What they mean is that the politics of it are are too much of today. Because Watchmen, which is from 1984, if you read it at the time and you weren't a, you know, like a bleeding heart liberal, you would have been like, this is obnoxiously woke. I, I miss when I miss when Captain America punched a Nazi when that was like incontroversial. And now, you know, now people look at that as though it's incontroversial, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, babbling. Uh, we're right about at the end of the show, unless you have uh, some closing remark. I mean, outside of just to say that, you know, prequels are so hot right now. I don't, that, get, I don't get it. I, that's, I got to do a video about that. That's a, that's a whole <laughs> rant about why everybody's super afraid to go forward in time for some reason. And they always want to go backward, backward, backward. I don't, I don't really get it. And it's old. Z- the Legend of Zelda, the video games, they always keep every new one. They're like, this is the very first one. The one that came out before Breath of the Wild, Skyward Sword, they were like, this is the very first Zelda. It's like, why? Just make it the very last one. Who cares? What difference does it make? Anyway, I think, uh, 
I know, yes, uh, Mugatu meme, right? Um, so I guess that's it. Yeah. And so thank you very much for listening. Uh, awesome like I said, we're going to be out. We're going to be uh, out probably on Tuesday with our like Labor Day weekend dragons and swords and whatever's oh my. Uh, and so and until then, uh, yeah, do, do, do the thing, Jen. Do the thing. Okay, so our main podcast, The Vicious Crossover Attempts, normally comes out on Mondays, sometimes on Tuesdays, you know, because. And you can find that on all your podcast catchers, you know, Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Plus Audible. Obviously, you know where to find us here on Wednesday nights at 8.30 Eastern Daylight Time. And so we finally get to our time change, which I'm looking forward to. And then, obviously, you can listen to us live. You can listen to it on the app. You can listen to it on podcast catchers. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at AMBXOVER. You can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and on Substack at JenMonroe.Substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neantaster on Twitter <clears throat> and also YouTube.com slash C slash Neantaster and Twitch.tv slash Neantaster. I actually got back to streaming. I streamed some Elden Ring. It was a lot of fun. I finally beat, I beat the boss that made me put down Elden Ring for like five months, just in utter frustration. And so, hooray. And yeah, when I, uh, I'm I'm going out of town a little bit for Labor Day weekend. When I get back, there's going to be more of that. Stay tuned. Thank you, Jen. And thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye.